If you would open your Bibles and flip to the book of Malachi, we're going to be in Malachi 1, and we're going to read verses 6 uh, through 14. Read verses 6 through 14. So uh, before I read the word, if we could, let's just go to him in prayer, and then we'll uncover the scripture this morning. Let's pray. God, we love you so much, and we do thank you for today, God. I just thank you for all that you do. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that um, you've seen something in me, God, that I couldn't see in myself, that you've given me the opportunity to be here today to deliver a message. And God, my, my prayer is, is that, God, you would just uh, have your way with me. God, just give me the words that I need to say. But God, on the receiving end, I just pray that you would touch the hearts and the minds of everybody here today, because I, God, I do know that, God, what you've given me to preach is something that's very important and something that's dear to you. So I just pray so much that you would move in such a great way around this place. And God, above all, help us to bring you honor and glory today. We love you so much. Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in verses 6 through 14. So let's read. It says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name. And you say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it, uh, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This has been by your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name. And a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But you have profaned it, in that you say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. You said also, Behold, what a a weariness is it. And you had snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts, and you brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrificeth in the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Y'all go ahead and have a seat. I appreciate y'all being here this morning. Fairview, welcome. We are so glad you're joining. Uh, I know pastor usually introduces you first, but I had to get to prayer first. I apologize for that, but we're glad you are joining in. Um, as I was preparing, there was a lot of things that was going through my mind um, all this week. For instance, I have a big castle behind me that I had to prepare. I had to make sure it was presentable outside for all the kids as they're coming in today, because today launches our VBS. Um, it is our celebration service where we get to uh, baptize so many that gave their life to the Lord. And, but that really just was sticking in my head, this idea of celebrating the Lord. Because a lot of what we'll say is we're celebrating those that came to faith. But honestly, what we're celebrating is the Lord giving new life, right? Of course, we're celebrating them, and I'm excited about that. But we're celebrating the Lord in His goodness. 
And that just stayed in my mind over and over and over, celebrating the Lord, bringing glory to God over and over. And I, you know, I have a lot of stories that, that we go over upstairs with the kids, and I had all kinds of stories I could do. And every time I would get to something, God would say, I need everybody to understand to bring me glory. And hopefully you're aware of this. I know Pastor Malcolm has shared this multiple times. The reason that we are here is to bring glory to God, first and foremost. And if we're not doing that, we're not achieving our purpose here. A lot of people like to talk about what is my purpose. Your purpose is to bring glory to God. And it was through studying that I actually, I'm going to be honest, I don't usually go to Malachi. Um, not for any reason. I don't think it's not a good, good spot to be at. It's just not one I normally go to. But the Lord led me here. And, and as I was reading this, I'll tell you what really came to life for me is upstairs with the kids not too long ago, we were in the Old Testament. And growing up, I didn't really spend a whole lot of time in the Old Testament. I didn't understand a lot of it. And I didn't, I didn't know what these stories meant. And I didn't really know that they had meaning and value because I'm like, well, wait, but Jesus came here. So let's start here, right? But I'll be honest, it's all the Old Testament stories that really paint for me the picture of who God is and his characteristics, who he is and what he desires from us. And as I'm reading this story, I see people here, priests, people who have a a great responsibility to the Lord, and God accuses them of despising his name. And then that's when the Lord just hit me and said, are you in that same situation? Is the way that you're living your life and the things that you are doing, are you in a way despising his name? And I know nobody in here would be silly enough if I said, how many of you despise the name of the Lord? There's not one of you that would be like, oh, you know, not one. Because we're not silly enough to say that. However, do our actions show that? So I kind of want to set the stage because if you don't understand the context of what's happening, what I just read to you, you're like, what does this mean? Why are we reading this, right? And so what I want you to understand first, let's go back before we get into the points. What we have here is we have God's people. And this is obviously before Jesus came. And God had basically given them covenants. In the beginning, God basically said, look, if you will have faith in me, you'll believe in me, you'll follow my ways. I will bless you. I'll bless your family and do all this kind of stuff. But what we know, just like with us, they failed. And so God came to him again and rescued them out of Egypt and did all this. And, and again, sets up these parameters, this covenant, this promise, and ultimately gives them what we know as the commandments. God basically says, okay, look, you weren't just necessarily believing me and following my ways because you started following other things. But here's you a list of rules to follow. And if you do these rules, you'll be righteous in my eyes, more or less. And there's a lot more to that, but I don't have time for that. Um, So he gives them the commandments. But then what do they do? They don't do it. They fail. So God says, okay, well, now you're you're not righteous. Now you have issues. You have problems. You have what we call sin. So I'm going to make a whole way for you to cover that sin. Understand, I'm not saying remove that sin because that's what Jesus did. But I'm going to allow this sin to be covered. So that you're okay. And so he gave them a a set of things to do. And what they would do, again, taking this and simplifying it very small, is they would have to take a sacrifice of some kind. The sacrifice would have to be without fault, without flaws. It would have to be perfect, without blemish. There was a lot that went into this. They would take, and and it was their best. It's not like, oh, let's see, let's just take this one. It was the absolute best that they had to offer. And that's what they were supposed to present to the Lord. Now, here's the thing. When they presented it, that does not mean God accepts it. 
That just meant they're saying, hey, God, this is our best, and we're hoping, please, God, we're pleading with you, please cover our sin. And God would either accept it or he wouldn't. And that's kind of where the priest came in. The priests knew the process. God gave them the process. This is how you are to sacrifice. This is how you are to burn it. This is how you're to do everything. And they also knew that when you bring it, it's without blemish, it's your best, and they would be able to tell. But in our story, that's, that's the opposite of what's happening. They're just allowing sacrifices to come. And so we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit. But here, and this is just like the aha moment for me as I was studying. And this is what I want you to know that I think God really wants you to understand too. This sacrifice was not for God. It was to God, but it was for the people. And what I mean by that, it was supposed to help them to understand that they could not live their life without God. So as they would bring this sacrifice, they would basically be uh, accepting the fact of God is authority. I am underneath him and I am not cleansed. I am not forgiven without God's acceptance. God doesn't need our stuff. Right. God doesn't need our stuff. He doesn't need the tithe that we give. He didn't need these sacrifices they were given. This was a way to remind them they needed God. So we need to all understand that God doesn't need it. This is the same God who spoke everything into existence. Everything that lives is because of God's mouth. Even us. He formed us. But what did he do? He breathed his breath of life in us that gave us life. So God, omnipotent being, doesn't need our stuff. Again, it was for them to recognize who God was in his authority. What's also interesting, um, I think sometimes that we, we tend to lose the awe of who God really is. And this is what I mean by that. When I, when I, I, I did this uh, two or three weeks ago upstairs, I got my dry erase board out for the kids, and I said, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I'm going to write down the list, tell me everything that God has done that you just think is awesome and is amazing. And they started saying, uh, Jesus walks on water. I was like, oh, okay, that's a good one. We'll write that. And they're like, um, Jesus fed like 5,000. I'm like, Okay. So I'm writing the list. And then you have that one kid who just says something that makes no sense whatsoever. And you have to clean it up. And you're like, heal somebody? Is that what you were meaning? No, but okay, good job. That's a good one. Yes, we're going to do that. You always have that kid. And then you have the other kid that's just like, Jesus. Okay, yeah, we'll write Jesus too. But this is, this is what I found out. As I was making this list, not one kid, I did this two services, not one kid mentioned creation. Not one kid mentioned creation. And I think what happens, and the reason I think this is important, is I think what happens, we hear these stories about who God is and what God has done and what Jesus has done, and we hear it so much that we kind of just lose, it loses its awe factor. I remember preachers sharing a story of when he had Bondo Church, and they were going over the fact of creation, and there was a gentleman that did not know the Bible, and he goes, wow. And even Preacher will admit to this, that when he was going to do this part in the Bible, he said, I just don't think it's going to be enough. Now, Preacher wasn't meaning God isn't enough. But what, what we do and we preach and when we do these things, we want it just to be the full package where they're like, okay, I'm ready to be saved. Right? But he was afraid that it wasn't going to be enough. But he said, no, i got to stay right in the Scripture. So he did. And the guy goes, you're telling me that God created everything with just his voice? And like he created animals to replenish themselves 
And there's intelligence in his design. And you're telling me with just his voice, he made the sun and the moon and the stars be exactly in place and and revolve and rotate exactly how they need to be. You're telling me with just his voice that trees create other trees that create other plants. And he's like, wow. And I think we've lost some of that because we come in here and it's not on purpose. I know it's not on purpose, but we come in here and we hear these stories and we're like, Yes, good. God is still great. But we lose the wow. And when we lose the wow, we lose the opportunity to worship God the way that we need to. And I think for them, they lost the wow in our story. They lost the wow of who God was, what his authority was like. And God even looks at them and says, you're despising my name. And so have we lost the wow factor with who God is? And God would look at us and say, have you despised my name? And so as I'm reading that, that's where we're at. And so what we're going to uncover today is basically how they were bringing in these bad sacrifices. They weren't bringing their best and what God thought about that. So if you're taking notes, number one, and the whole message is called worthy sacrifice. Because we should all be giving a worthy sacrifice unto the Lord. Number one, God deserves respect. God deserves respect. In verse 6, it says, A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? You see, I put a father as a lover, protector, and master as one who rules and governs. But basically, God is looking at them and saying, I want honor and I want fear, or we can say respect. I want honor and I want respect. And if we look at verse number 14, he says in that verse, I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Even the heathen recognize who God is and his authority. And so what God is saying is I deserve respect. He's not demanding it. He's saying I deserve it. As a father, I should be receiving honor. As a master, you should be giving me respect. And we all need to understand in here, there is a proper weight of authority. Naturally, because of our flesh and because of the sinful world we live in, we forget that. Again, I know nobody in here is silly enough to say, I kind of think I'm a bigger deal than God. I know that. But the way that we live our lives is exactly what we're showing. Because we don't go to him with our needs. Then when something messes up, then we turn around and blame him. God is to never be blamed for anything. God is all-knowing, all-powerful. He is sovereign. He is in control of all things. The moment you question and doubt God is the moment that you have put yourself either at equal or above God. There is a proper weight of authority, and you are not authority. I am not authority. And God wants to remind us of that because we're going to miss something very important if we don't, which we're going to get to. Revelations 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things... And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Exodus fifteen eleven. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? First Chronicles twenty nine eleven. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. He is authority. He deserves respect. 
And we continue in the text. Not only do we see that God deserves respect, but we see God despises evil. In verse 8 it says, And if he offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if he offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? You see, the people had an evil heart because they refused to give their best. So what the people were doing is they were probably keeping their best because they could make more money off of it. If they were selling and bartering, they could save these kind of things. And what they were doing is they were finding the lame animals, the weak animals, not the best. And they were bringing this to God. Now, here's the problem. And this is where I think they really forgot that proper weight of authority. Because, again, the animal was supposed to cover their sin. Their sin was great. I think they also forgot that. I think they forgot the weight of their sin and what that actually meant. Because they bring something that is not worthy enough to cover the sin that they had committed. And they brought something not worthy. And God looks at it and says, basically, this is evil. And here's the other thing that stood out to me. He says, take it to your governor. He says, okay, so, so just hypothetically, you have to go pay your taxes. We'll say this for us in here. You go to the IRS and you, you've got a big chunk of change you do. Are you going to take them a paper clip and some gum and say, I hope you will cover my debt? No, you know what's due and you cover it because you know the IRS has a certain level of authority and you don't want to, you know, there's a whole lot into that. But what he's saying is take this to the governor. Is he going to accept it? So why are you trying to bring me something that you know is not good enough? He says you have profaned the table and you snuffed at it and there was weariness. And I really thought I understood, like sometimes when I read the Bible, like I I think I have a pretty large vocabulary and I come across this word profane and I really did think I understood it. But as I studied it, which, man, I challenge you so much as you're reading your scripture, as you're doing your devotions, study and go in deep because there's so many things you can miss. But profane, you profane the table. So the table would be where they'd bring these sacrifices. And that's where they would have the ritual of the sacrifice. The word profane means to make normal. To make normal. Now the problem with that is what they were doing in the ritual they were performing, the sacrifice, is something that was very holy. So they took something of great value and meaning and holy and they made it something ordinary. And again, I think in our walk we do that as well. When we're walking around, we're living our lives, we just take for granted who God really is and how extraordinary God is. And in verse 14, we see, and, and, and God lays it out, they had better things. It said they had a male that they voweth. They basically had the animal that they could have given. But at some point, they decided to not take their best and give their worst. Psalm 5, 4 and 5 says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. And Proverbs fifteen nine. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. The people here weren't following after righteousness. They were following after convenience. They were following after the things that they wanted to do. They didn't hold the proper weight of authority. They did not give God the respect he deserved to the point where God said, you are despising my name. He he even went further to say, I have no pleasure in you. I have no pleasure in you. The other thing that I found was very interesting. Obviously, God wants to remind them of the importance of the sacrifice and to cover their sins. 
But if we go to verse 10, it says, Who is there even among you that uh, would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on my altar for naught. Basically what we're seeing here is God is kind of saying it's, it would be better for you just to close the door of the temple than to even come and offer a sacrifice. Think about that. God is saying it would be better for you not to even do that than what you're doing and you're trying to deceive somebody. You not offering sacrifices would have been okay based on what you're giving me, which is worthless. Because that's ultimately what he's doing. He's, he's not accepting their sacrificing and he's saying this is worthless. This is worth nothing. What you're doing is meaningless. And you shouldn't even do it. Not only does God deserve respect, not only does he despise evil, but God decides our fate. God decides our fate. In verse number 9, it says, Now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This has been by your means. And so what we see here is, is the Lord is, is basically saying, you need to come and you need to ask and you need to beg and you need to plead that God would be grace, gracious. That's what the word beseech means, is to ask, to pray. Gracious is basically getting something you don't deserve. So it's saying you need to go to God and basically plead and beg that he would forgive you. And so what this shows here is God is the one who will decide whether he's going to extend grace or not. God decides our fate. It also said, like I mentioned earlier, that he has no pleasure in them. They have no pleasure. God says, what you're doing with me is not pleasurable. What you're doing for me is worth nothing. And in verse 14, it says, but cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. So he says, cursed will be the deceiver, the person who is bringing something to me that is not worthy. Which reminded me of the story from the book of Acts, Acts 5. And you have two people, Ananias and Sapphira. Some of you remember this story, some of you don't know the story, and that's okay. But let's read it, Acts 5, 1 through 5. It says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came upon them that heard these things. You see, what this story was, is this when the apostles went out and they were going to basically fulfill the mission that Jesus had gave them. And what was very, very cool in this is that people were being generous with their stuff. They were selling their land. They were selling their possessions. They were selling everything that they had, and they were laying it at the apostles' feet. They were giving it to the apostles to basically say, here, what you're doing is better than what we're doing. We're going to help your ministry. We're going to give to you, and we want to be a blessing to you. But Ananias and Sapphira did the same thing. They sold everything, but it says they kept back part of it. But then they tried a little trickery. They kept some of it, but went to the apostles, and didn't give them everything. But Peter calls them out and says, look, you haven't deceived us. You haven't lied to us. You've lied to the Lord. 
Which, how crazy is that, that you think you can lie and you can deceive the Lord? But we try. We try. We try to cover our sin and we forget all those kind of things. We don't repent of those things. And we think that maybe the Lord just won't notice. But what it says for Ananias and Sapphira, they paid for it. It says they died. He fell down and gave up the ghost. He died because of his actions. God controls our fate. God said, cursed be the deceiver. And you may be saying, well, Josh, what does this have to do with us? We don't offer sacrifices. We know that. Like, why are we here? Why are we talking Old Testament? Because God does actually challenge us to sacrifice. God does challenge us to sacrifice, just in a much different way. And so what we're about to do is we're about to unpack and uncover what it is that God wants us to do. But what I want you to remember through it all is the sacrifice is not for God. God receives glory and honor and power through it all. But the sacrifice is a way that we can recognize who God is so that we can have the proper weight of authority, so that we can worship him the way that we need to. So God deserves our respect. God despises evil. God decides our fate. So now that we know that, what should our response be? And I almost put this in your notes, but I'm like, well, that's not exactly true all the time. Because I was thinking, if, if somebody's doing bad, just do the opposite of them. But that's not always the truth, because you could also be doing the opposite, which is also bad. <laughs> but in today, that's what we're going to do. Common sense would tell us, hey, if, we're, if they're despising their name, how do we not do that? So that's what we're going to look at. Man's response. What should we do? Since we don't have these uh, sacrifices, and since we don't have an altar and a table that we're offering animals and all this kind of thing, what do we do? Number one, don't despise his name. Don't despise his name. I put our offering and worship should be honorable and true and we should worship him. He says, where is my honor? Where is my respect? And I want you to know, when I'm talking about sacrifices, I would not be silly enough on the first week that preacher is out to come up here and say, give your money. (laughs) That's part of it. But you already got that. You already know. And what I do want you to know is sacrifice is so much more than just a monetary sacrifice. Like that is given. It is in there. It is. And if you have a problem with giving, Take it up with God and go to your Bible. I'm, I'm not here to debate that with you. But there is more to a sacrifice. And I put this in your notes. Attitudes, time, resources. And this is what I want to tell you about God. I am so glad that God is not like me. Because I know my attitude changes a whole lot. Okay, my wife is sitting right there. My mother too, and they can both attest to that. My attitude changes a lot. And I'm so thankful that we don't have a God who changes his attitude and changes his decisions based on how he's feeling that day. I'm just saying, like, I came in today, like, I've got, I don't know if you can tell, but my eyes swollen. I don't even know what it is. I'm like, I really hope it's not pink eye, but I don't think it is. Like, I can't even, I can barely see out of this eye. Um, Some of you have recognized that I've been in a boot lately. I'm not wearing a boot with my suit. So right now I'm like in excruciating pain because I'm standing on a broken foot. Because again, I'm, my own stupidity, you don't have to be pity for me. You can just say, idiot, you're the one that didn't wear the boot. Like, I, I understand. But like, like if somebody came and requested something of me right now, based on the fact I can't see in my eye, I have a hurt foot, I would probably say, nah, today's not the day. 
right? I also have VBS. Hey, can you come to my house and help? No, I got to finish planning for VBS tonight. But what I'm saying is God's not like that. God doesn't sway with an attitude. God doesn't change what he says and how he's feeling. God is the same God in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament that he is right now. And so we don't have to go to God and and doubt how he's going to respond. God despises evil. If you do evil things, you will suffer the repercussions of that. I have people that's like, I just don't know why God would do this. And I think preachers shared that the other day where there's a picture and I think, what was it, a monkey hitting a lion? Like, that's going to cause some problems. Poor little monkey, it was nice knowing you. Right? Like, there's going to be repercussions for, but, and, but we have people that's like, but God's all loving. Why? God wouldn't do, I don't think God would do that. And what I want to say to those people, I don't care what you think. Because the Bible is clear. Well, I think that, well, God just knows that life is hard for me right now. He does. But that doesn't mean you get the free pass to go sin and do stuff you want to do. Like, that's not how it works. And we know that, but it's easy to say. Me and God have an understanding. No, you don't. (laughs) God laid out his understanding. If you do bad, I don't like it. If you do bad, you are not righteous, right? So we know all those things, but we still go and do the things. But here's what really God was hitting me with. Like when we live our life that way, again, if I took a poll, nobody would say I despise his name. But if we, if, if we kind of watched your life over the last week, would your actions, the way that you said, the things that you did, your attitude when you were at work and somebody spouted off at you and you just had these thoughts and we'll just hold it there, were you despising his name? In the actions that you did this week, did you pursue God with all that you had, or did he get the rest? Did you bring, first thing in the day, did you bring your best to God and say, God, here I am, use me? Or did you wake up, get your, your, your hair brushed because you need to look pretty, your, your teeth brushed because you didn't want to have rank breath? Do that, you still need to do that. You, you got your clothes, you got on going, you got your work day started. You finish, oh, I got to get kids, oh, I got to run them here, I got to do this. And then here we are at four o'clock in the afternoon, you haven't prayed, you haven't read your Bible, you haven't done anything, and it's like, oh no, I need to pray. I only got five minutes, that's fine. Five minutes is better than no minutes, right? Okay, five minutes. So are you giving God your lame, your blind, and not your best? Because what God says is that is evil. And because of that evil, you're not showing me the honor. You're not showing me the respect. You are despising my name. And the word despise, to contempt, to scorn, to disdain. Here you go. To have the lowest opinion of. What is your opinion of God? Who is God to you? Now, I think if we did a video, we would all get super spiritual well, God is my protector, my savior. My, and all those are true. And I'm, I'm not really trying to be facetious, even though I am. But I think we need to sit and we need to reflect and we need to say, who is God to me? And do I have him in the right place in my life to give him what he deserves? Not what I think of God and not what I think I need to give God, 
But am I giving him what he deserves? Now, here's what I'd also say. I know we are in a sinful, broken world. I know there's people around us that just drive us crazy and drive us to the point where we forget and we do all these things. And God, uh, Josh, is that really possible? Can Can I ever achieve that? Maybe not. But does that mean don't try? Because sometimes that's what we use. We use it as a cop-out. Well, I can't even live up to those expectations, so why even try? That's silly. Because God is worth it. God deserves it. That's why you try. We'll do counseling stuff sometimes with, with, uh, with couples. And they're like, well, I mean, if I, I don't even know why I should try. Because they've given up and they don't want to do this. That's not how God set up marriage. You shouldn't give 50 because they're giving 50. You should give 100% all the time because it's your spouse, because it's the same way with God. Like you give God your all the best you can. If you fall short, we got a solution for that. But keep trying, don't give up. And here's the solution. Don't despise his name. But if you do, number two, don't forget to repent. And we do that so much. If you're anything like me, it used to be very, very hard for me to say, I'm sorry. And I'm not so much with God, but like with my wife right there that's still sitting there. I'm sorry. Because when you say sorry, you're what? Accepting the fact that you messed up. And nobody likes to accept the fact that they've messed up. But you will. And you do. So make it right. Repent. Don't have a strained relationship. If I did not apologize to my wife when I was a turd to her, our relationship wouldn't really be that good. Because I would be known as the husband who never apologizes, who always thinks he's right, who, and the list goes on. But when I can come and I can say, look, I'm sorry. It's something about that relationship that just gets better. The, the, the burden of it, the heaviness of it, just to be able to say, I'm sorry. Oh, that wasn't that bad. And here's what I want to say with this. Like, I'm not talking about repenting and asking forgiveness for your salvation because that's already done, hopefully. Now, there may be some of you in a crowd this size. There may be somebody that's never given their life to the Lord. And that would be your first step. Repent. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I need you in my life. I want to be saved so that I can be at heaven with you and have a relationship with you. That's number one. But for those of you who have already done that, there is still this repentance factor. Not for the sake of being resaved, because that doesn't exist. For any of that, the point of the repentance is to say, God, I recognize where I've done wrong and I want to make it right. Because, God, I want a healthy relationship with you. But we don't like to repent because it's a sign that we actually know we failed. But here's the thing. God already knows. He knows you're standing. He knows where you're at. And he knows your heart. So if your heart is broken over the things that you've done wrong, go to God. He is faithful and just. And he will forgive you of those things. The text here says, beseech God to be gracious. God, please be gracious. I know I don't deserve it. And that's what gracious is. Grace, getting something you don't deserve. God, I know I don't deserve it. But God, I promise I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. 
There's that humble themselves. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Acts 3.19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And here's the next part I would say with the repentance. In the verse, it says, this has been by your means. And what this is basically meaning is, it is your fault. Right? It is your fault. Like the reason these people were in this situation, the reason the priests were being gotten after is because they did the action. They were the ones at fault. And in our own lives, when we do things, stop blaming other people. Stop saying, well, it's just my work environment. It's just too much. It stressed me out. Or when you're, when you're going somewhere else, I just, I just can't handle this. Like stop blaming it on these things. Because it is your fault. God laid out his standards. There is no compromise. There is no change. And God has his compromise. And he says, here's what I need you to do. And when you don't follow it, understand it's your fault so that you can come and bow before the Lord and say, I am sorry. And why do we do that? Why do we do that? For number three. So we don't miss out on true worship. You see, when we understand God's authority and we understand who he is and we stay in awe and reverence of a wonderful God who loves us. And then we take that to the point of understanding his authority and understanding where we are with that to come to repentance and say, God, I'm sorry. It allows us to kind of have this clean slate so that we can come to this part to have true worship. True worship. Because here's what I want you to know. When we look at Old Testament, they had the sacrifices, they had the animals, they had the rituals, they had all this stuff they had to do. And it is so lengthy how they had to do the whole process. Like, I don't want to get into it. Like, it's a lot. And so, like, as I'm reading this and understanding the sacrifices, I'm like, praise Jesus, I don't have to do that. (laughs) Right? Praise Jesus, I don't have to keep up with animals. Like, I would probably do better with that than, like, the plants at our house, like me and my wife kill every plant that ever comes to our house. But I'm just wondering, like, if I had to keep a flock of something, as busy as I am, I'd be like, Lacey, I don't know what we're doing this month. Five sheep are dead in the back. I have no idea. I don't know what happened. <laughs> like, it's still going to be our best. But praise, praise God, we don't have to do that. But here's the true worship, like, I really want us to understand is that if you will read, it says they profaned the table. They made it ordinary. They made it ordinary. And that broke my heart so much because I think that I've done the same thing because I forget exactly what Jesus did for us. Like we hear it. We know like I could ask every one of you. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross and he came back to life three days later and he gave us the Holy Spirit. and He went back to heaven. But like think about what actually happened. Let's read it. Philippians 2, 7 through 10. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. 
Wherefore, God also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of, every, uh, of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. What God did for us is nothing ordinary. Like, again, remember, we are the ones who are at fault. We are the ones who messed up. And what God says is, I understand that you are not good enough. And you never will be. But I love you so much that I am going to go down to earth, become a man, suffer, be beaten, spit on, stabbed, ridiculed. I am God and I am willing to do this. And I go to earth, I am beaten, I am killed for you. You don't deserve it. But you mean that much to me. It is not ordinary. It is an extraordinary thing that a loving God and creator did for us. And we need to make sure that we stay in that mindset, in that frame of mind to say, God is so deserving of our worship. You see, B, it says they were weary in their worship efforts and snuffed at the fact of their sacrifice. They snuffed at it. They were weary in their worship efforts. I'm going to touch a little close to home right now. Why are you here this morning? Why are you here? When you woke up this morning, was your thought, yes, Sunday I get to go to church. When you are on the drive over and your kids would not shut their mouths. Praise God, we're going to put them in Kids Quest. So I can sit and I can worship the Lord. Why you've been sitting here. Josh, come on, man. Come on. Let's go. Were you thinking about what you're going to go eat after this? Were you thinking about that lake? And man, I bet that lake is nice. Like if I could just get on that boat, we can go. We can wakeboard. We can just hang out. Even myself this morning, first thing I, I woke up. And this, is, this was my message. <laughs> I woke up thinking... Okay, I got to get, uh, with the castle, I got to get this done. And I got to make sure the leaders get this. And I, and I said, whoop! And I had to stop. And I had to stop and say, Lord, I apologize. I'm yours. Use me. When you are during worship today, well, Brother Jalen's not here. I just don't like that music the same. <laughs> I got some of you there. I know I did. And even as the worship was going, I don't like this song. I right. And it's the biggest pet peeve of mine when, when people just sit here like this during worship. And I understand it. I'm not a good singer either. I sound I like cats would be screeching and wanting to kill themselves because I'm not a good singer. But guess what I do? I sing because it's not for me. It's for the Lord. I'm going to call this gentleman right up here. I don't know who it is. I can't tell. I look over this guy right up here. He's got his arms up. And I'm like, praise Jesus. Thank you for that. He helped me so much. I can't tell who it is. And some of you over here. And I'll tell, you why, I'll tell you why I hate that. Because there's kids in here. And there's other adults in here. And when we're not willing to just open up and say, Lord, let me, let me just praise you right now. And we sit like this. We'll look at somebody else. Oh, they're not singing. I guess I'm not going to sing either. You know? I don't like this song. It's not about you. So, like, why you were here in worship? Like, did your actions, again, your voice isn't going to say, I despise the Lord. 
But what did your actions show today during worship? What is your thoughts in your mind as you've been sitting here this whole time hearing all this? Well, that's Old Testament. I don't need any of that. Or were you, are you hearing me right now to say, you know what? I can do better. Because I know I can. And maybe, maybe you were fantastic and praise God. Because that's what it's about is bringing Him glory. So through your actions today, did you bring Him glory? One final thing. This is Old Testament. They had to bring sacrifice. They had to bring animals. They had to bring all kinds of stuff. But God challenges us to something. We don't have to bring animals. We don't have to bring the plants. We don't have to bring the birds. We don't have to do all that. But God does tell us to sacrifice something. He says, present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Romans 12:1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, this is how this is going to happen, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God says, this is what's expected. I have given you new life, not so that you can sit like a stump on a log. I've given you new life so that you can be a living sacrifice to everybody around you. I want you to praise me. I want you to glorify me, but not for me, for you and for the people around you. Because the people need God. We need God. If we're not glorifying God, if we're living our life in a way that's not pleasing and honoring to him, then we're not sacrificing our best. If we're not sacrificing our best, God views it as evil. You have a huge opportunity, huge opportunity to be a living sacrifice for God. And he says, I want it holy and acceptable. And it's your reasonable service. Not anything extra. And it's by the mercies of God this is going to happen. We are a living sacrifice. It is our job to live a life that's pleasing to Him. Everything that you do should be to bring glory to God. In your attitudes, in your parenting, in your marriage, in your work life, everything should be for God. Now, if that wasn't enough for you, one more verse, or two more. Uh, we're going to go Malachi 2, verse 1. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. I have cursed them already because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces. That was a good one. Even the dung of, and for Willie G, even the dung of your soul and feast, and one shall take you away with it. If what I told you was not enough, God told you what he was going to do to the priests. Here's my plea to you. You've messed up. I've messed up. Go to the Lord. Say, God, I'm sorry. Live your life in a way that is honorable and pleasing to him. Not with just the words you say, not just by by sharing your faith, but how you're living it. Give God your best. Are you starting each and every morning just opening yourself to say, God, I am yours. Use me. I want to be obedient to the spirit today. Lead me, guide me, direct me. 
Is there something in your life that's, that's kind of got that relationship strained with God that you need to repent? You need to get out of it fast. And you need accountability partners, whatever it is to help you, but get in the right relationship with God because God has the authority. And we should honor him so. We should have reverence, honor, and respect to the Lord.